0: Welcome to the NOI Podcast, Uncovering the Path to Successful Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Brent Farkus. On this show, we do a deep dive into uncovering the keys to successfully investing in real estate. You will learn from industry rock stars and thought leaders specializing in large multifamily syndications to furnished short-term rentals and everything in between. Whether you are a seasoned investor operator looking to scale or a first-time investor looking to create passive income through real estate, this podcast is for you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you will be notified of future episodes. Let's get to it. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the NOI podcast. My guest this week is Joshua Ferrari. Joshua owns Ferrari Capital, which is in the business of community. Their goal is to walk alongside investors in this journey to financial education and ultimately freedom and equip them with all the necessary resources to begin investing into their financial future through healthy multifamily investments. Welcome multifamily syndicator, Joshua Ferrari. Welcome, man.
1: Thanks for having me on, man. I, uh, I don't even remember ever writing that, but it sounds like <laughs> me.
0: <laughs> sounds like that's you guys. That's Ferrari Capital. Oh, that's us. Yeah. I learned Ad- it today. I learned something about you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, so I used it. So, Joshua, give me some background in real estate, how you got started, and how uh, Ferrari Capital got going. Yeah, absolutely. So, I initially
1: got or found out that investing was even really a thing, but a little over three years ago. Um, my dad called me up one day. About midweek, sometime in January of 2018, and told me that he had some news that he needed to tell me. And I thought that was kind of weird. I was kind of interested, though, and like, what the heck is this news? Is it horrible news? Is it great news? And he tells me that, uh, he says, your mom and I are about to spend $40,000 to go through this course, Like basically pay <laughs> for a course that's going to teach us everything we need to know on how to flip a house. I was like, flip, flip a house. Like, first of all, where's the 40 G's coming from? Cause I know you guys aren't like independently wealthy. (laughs) Secondly, why this particular course? Why real estate? Why flipping? Why now? You know, I had like so many questions. Well, the conversation ended up being about four hours long. At the end of it, I had this, I had the idea of investing in real estate kind of implanted in my head. The thought of, I could really do this. You know, I was 21 at the time and had only been out of the house starting what I thought was going to be a longstanding career as an aircraft technician in aviation roughly about six months prior so only six months into this you know w-2 lifestyle and now I'm thinking maybe I don't want to be in the w-2 lifestyle you know this this whole thing about making more than my annual salary in a few months that sounds nice that sounds (laughs) real nice yeah so I, I didn't think I really wanted to do flipping, but I was interested. So I asked my dad what he's been reading to, like, what like really got him sparked into this. And he, of course, he told me "Rich Dad Poor Dad." So I read that book among a bunch of other books. I probably ended up reading about forty books that year, more books I'd ever read in my twenty-one years of existence. <laughs> uh, and I he told me about Bigger Pockets. So I was getting on Bigger Pockets, listening to all their podcasts and any podcasts that I found out after that, uh, you know, from them or just from researching. And I was also going to three different local real estate meetups in my area. So, I was trying to seriously wrap my head around real estate and what was possible and all the different niches and avenues and ways that there was to make money in it so I could figure out what we were going to do because it sounded very intriguing and I wanted to get into it. So, well, we ended up initially getting started into wholesaling and that was, we, we did that for about five to six months. We didn't close a single deal. We got like <laughs> seven or eight deals under contract, yeah. on the, like on the sell side, but we had no no buyers interested in buying. We tried the JV thing, like, hey, you know, we'll give you half of our profit or, you know, mm-hmm. it, we'll, we'll even take like a 2% profit. Like, I just want this thing yeah. to... Old, so that I can prove to myself that I can do this and prove to my wife because my wife was, kind of, I was kind of like taking her along the journey and trying to prove to her that this could work and it didn't work. Nothing happened. So it was like, all right, well, we need to pivot anyway because the whole reason we got into wholesaling was to kind of grow the capital stack and gain a baseline level of experience in, in real estate so that we could then take that money and that experience and buy something because we knew we wanted passive income. Mm-hmm. So the experience really did the opposite for us because we got no experience because we didn't close on anything and we lost money because we were spending it on marketing. So it's like, all right, this is the, doing the opposite of what we want. Let's buy something. So two months later, we buy a fourplex. Um, was, you know, First ever investment, this big old fourplex that we decided to house hack. And I always tell people I quote unquote syndicated it really before I knew what syndication was. But everyone in their mom is telling me that, if you don't use other people's money in this business, like you you won't go a long way. It'll take you way longer to ever be successful. I'm like, well, I don't have any money anyway, and I want to be successful. So I called my dad up and he we kind of did like a handshake kind of deal. He gave me the down payment and we hand shook on on equity, gave me a little piece of equity for it. So that was like syndication to me, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> My introduction. Uh, so first ever investment right there, fourplex, that deal ended up being a living nightmare. It was just, I ended up having to be the jack of all trades basically. So- Did we, your
0: house So Are we living in one of them?
1: Yeah, we're living in one of them. And the plan was to be the property manager. So like, well, we're gonna live in here anyway. So we might as well, you know, management won't be that difficult since we'll be here every day. And we can save a little bit of money so we can just squeeze all the juice we can out of this deal since we were like pinching pennies at the time. Well, we got into this thing, found out there was way more issues than I ever thought possible. And we did a 203K FHA loan, which is also a living nightmare and is a paperwork nightmare. We had to fire our first contractor. They renovated one unit and they doubled the budget and tripled the timeline. It's like, well, we got to get rid of these folks. So in the process of firing them and hiring the next one, of which we had the next one already lined up and ready to go before we fired the first one, it took five months before they would allow them to even touch the property. And the reason we didn't just like bypass that and say, well, they're not here anyway, who cares? Is because all of the money that I needed or that I was using for the renovations was inside of that loan. And so they weren't going to distribute anything until all the paperwork was done. So both contractors weren't able to touch anything for five months. So I'm like, there is no way on God's green earth that I'm going to sit back for five months and let this We just pay holding costs while nothing happens because none of the units are inhabitable except for the one that we were now living in. (laughs) So I was like, I'm getting no rent. You know, we're just nothing but paying a ton of money for this big house that we're only using a quarter of. Like I'm, I'm going to start working. I figured if I can fix an airplane, I can fix a house, right. you know, I'll figure it out. So started going to YouTube university and I ended up becoming the contractor, the plumber, the electrician, the guy, the painter, the carpenter, I ended up becoming a lot of things, even the foundation guy. Like I did a lot on this house in order to try to make things work. And I do not recommend being the foundation guy, nor do I recommend being the roofer. If you don't know what you're doing, to, saying this from experience. So anyway, living nightmare, but we got out of the deal actually January of this last year Wow, or January of this year a couple of months ago Wow. and we didn't lose any money Yeah, you know, we made we made a little bit a yeah. thousand maybe It was just the experience yeah, I'm just so glad that we were able to go first of all that I was able to do that deal. Like, I'm glad we're done with it first and foremost. But I feel like if I hadn't have gone through that experience, I don't think I'd be where today, which is a nice segue into where am I today. So fast forward to today, I ended up getting into multifamily syndication roughly six months after having invested in that because I really liked multifamily. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though nothing was going according to plan, I liked the idea that I had four units underneath one roof. So I was continuing to educate myself on multifamily. And I always thought I was going to do what Brandon Turner called the stack, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you buy the four unit, eight, oh, yeah. 16, 32. And I was like, eh, it's going to take me like a decade to get where I want, but whatever. I knew it's a short, a long-term play. And once we get there, it'll be so worth it. That's just always what I thought. Well, then I remember stumbling upon syndication mm-hmm. and being like, wait a second, you're telling me I can get where I want to be in a quarter of the time, you know, like yeah. way sooner. And Be even more successful than where I ever thought I would be 10 years from now. And I get to help people and I get to provide opportunities for folks to invest. Like it was, there were so many benefits uh, from my perspective of really what our goals were in investing in real estate through syndication. So I said, okay. I think this is what I want to do, but I'm not really sure. And then there ended up being a guest speaker coming over from Pensacola to Mobile to one of the local real estate meetups to talk on multifamily syndication. He had done like 1,200 units at the time. I'm like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. He's got the experience. He's been in the game for a decade. I got to go and I got to see what, he's, what he has to say. So I remember going to the meetup, meetup ends. And I remember just sitting there being like dumbfounded, like, wow, this is it. You know, this is what I need to do. 100%. I love everything he was talking about. So I ended up going and talking to the guy afterwards, the speaker. Found out we both had aviation in common. He was actually a naval helicopter pilot. And then he allowed me to take him out to lunch that next week. So now I know I want to be in multifamily syndication. Now I got a mentor. Fast forward to today, and I have two business partners. One lives in Gulf Shores, the other in Destin. So we kind of cover the northern Florida panhandle all the way from Panama City west into uh, southern Alabama, Mobile. Uh, We've since closed a 21-unit single-family portfolio, a 42-unit apartment complex, a 34-unit apartment complex, Uh, We actually just closed a single family luxury flip today. I was gonna ask you about that. Right. I saw that uh you so, this
0: beach house, right? So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, beach house I, I, on Ono Island.
0: I was starting to think that was the fourplex. You know, I didn't know if, if this was a new one or if this was the one you were talking about. That. Yeah, I know. This is just okay. definitely a new one. So yeah, yeah. and then
1: we've got we've got another 148 units under contract, another eighty-eight units are probably gonna be under contract either today or Monday of next week. And we've got about four to five hundred units worth of LOIs out right now. So our goal this year in twenty twenty one is to reach a thousand units. We're currently at nine. We have sold a few properties here and there. We're about to have another 236 under contract if we get the 148 and the 88. And then we're trying to hit a thousand this year. So that's kind of like a little bit about my story. And
0: That's awesome. Uh, give my listeners just a quick definition of syndication. That might be a word that some will know what it is from other episodes, but give them a definition of syndication for them. Yeah. So syndication,
1: it's just the pooling of people, which bring capital, the pooling of capital to buy a larger asset that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to buy if you were going at it on your own. And maybe you are able to buy really big things if you're going at it on your own. Maybe you're a millionaire. I don't know. But primarily syndication is partnering together, using what what's called a general partner. Uh, those are the active players in that deal and that syndication. And you or... Whoever, as the passive investor, you basically do nothing. You know, you just have a relationship with this person that knows what they're doing, has access to deals, has had a track record of success, knows how to manage these assets. And they take your money, do all the work, and you get all the benefits of owning real estate without having to do anything.
0: Yeah. So when you found out about syndication, did you feel like you definitely wanted to be in, as part of the general partnership or you didn't know how you would fit in, what your skill set would be? You know, how, how did you feel like you'd be jumping in when you first heard about syndication?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I honestly had no idea what my role was going to be, but I knew I was going to be a GP because I had zero dollars and zero cents to my name. So I was like, they can't invest. I don't have money. So I've got to Use my grind, my time, my continued knowledge, expertise and connections over the last couple of years, put that to work and try to find a deal that I can bring partners together, uh, both active and passive and and get a deal done. So I knew I was going to be on the GP side, but I had no idea what that was going to look like. Yeah.
0: So tell me about this beach house. I know you've got some commercial multifamily ones going. So why did you guys get involved in the beach house flip? All right. The beach house is one off for sure. It's not something we're
1: really chasing, but my partner, Reggie, he's actually been flipping houses for the last decade. And so he's got a lot of systems and processes in place uh, as far as like connections with realtors and agents and contractors and everything else for continuing to do flips. He actually still does probably one or two flips a month on the side outside of our little trio uh, in multifamily. So he already had all that stuff in place and the deal kind of fell on his lap. It was a property that got damaged from the hurricane that happened in September of 2020. So it had just fairly recently happened when we found out about it, maybe a couple months later. Uh, sometime in January, I think. And the sellers were just looking to get out of it. They wanted to buy something else. They tried renovating it themselves. They were actually in the process of renovating when the hurricane happened. They were like, well, I don't know if we wanna keep dumping money in this thing or if we wanna just move on and buy something else. So they decided to move on. My partner, Reggie, just happened to know the agent that got the listing. She got the listing, but we kind of found out about it off market because we found out about it before it was listed and before she had really sent it out. And so we were able to kind of get first dibs on it and we didn't really have any competition. So it was was nice on that from that front to be able to get it off market, but basically got hurricane damage. So we got it for almost like half price. We got it for 1.8 million. Uh, We're going to put roughly $200,000 into it. It's going to be brand new and, you know, the nicest property on the street and it'll sell for 3 million plus in like a three to six month timeframe. So we'll make a quick million bucks on it. And the idea is just to take that money and funnel it right back into multifamily.
0: That's great. So this 148 units, you said you just closed on that? You are just finished the due diligence?
1: Yes. Due diligence has been complete and we're finalizing the offering packet now. And I, I handle investor relations. So I deal with a lot of the investor offering packets, dealing with the webinar, capital raise and all that stuff. So now it's like my turn. You know, I don't, I don't handle too much of the due diligence. I'm, I'm in it a little bit just so I can know what the heck's going on. But mostly what I handle is investor relations. So it, now it's like the baton's getting handed off to me. I'm starting to put all the stuff together, starting to get extremely busy and really get a, an idea of, I guess, the, the deal as a whole so that I can then pitch that to investors. So we're in the process of putting that together. We're getting, we, the webinar is actually going to be this Thursday and then that'll be like the official start date to our, uh, our capital raise. This is going to be the largest capital raise we've ever had. I think the largest one before this was a million, million and one, and this one will be a little over 3 million.
0: What's your time frame between that and the time you're supposed to close on this property? About a month. Well, give me some insights on this property, you know, just some details on location and how long you're gonna hold it.
1: Yeah. So, this property or the deal structure that we're gonna do on this is gonna be unlike any other deal we've ever done before. And it's because we're bringing on a KP team. Or we brought on a KP team because we knew it was also the largest deal we've ever done, 148 units. Previous to that, it's 42 units. So we're like, well, we don't really meet the net worth or liquidity on this, but it seems like a screaming deal. We don't want to pass up on it just because of that. One of my partners had a close connection with really high network, high level other multifamily syndicators that had a couple... Thousand units that they've done over the course of their career, and so we brought them on as KP team, and they've kind of become almost like a liaison, like a like the brains of the operations. Here's you know all these systems and stuff we have in place. Here's who we use for due diligence, you know the actual inspection company, and so they've helped us a lot on a lot of fronts. But one big thing that I think we've all gotten out of this that honestly I think we we want to use this structure a lot moving forward as long as the deal makes sense. But they introduced us to this deal structure that they had just recently incorporated maybe two, three years ago in their own business. And so they were starting to see the fruits of the labor of this particular structure. They started explaining the deal and I and I just got really intrigued. So 10 to 30 year hold time frame, 70-30 equity split from the passive investor to the active investor side. You're going to be looking at a 10% preferred return. And that's going to be between the, the first and second year. The idea is you're going to have this 10% preferred return. And then d- sometime during that first or second year, we'll have a refinance that's going to actually pull out all of the initial member capital invested. So you're going to get this 10%, we'll say for the for two years. Then at the end of the second year, we'll do a refinance. Say you invest one hundred thousand dollars, you're going to get all your one hundred thousand dollars back plus the ten percent you've earned over those last two years. So you now have one hundred twenty thousand dollars from your initial investment. Uh, so you've been made whole. You got no risk in the deal anymore, and everything's hunky dory. Yeah, you're you're loving life. Like this deal's amazing. Now you can take this money, you can invest it in something else, you can do whatever you want. But real benefit to us as the GPs as well as the LPs is that through the perpetuity model the longer term hold model, we're now gonna invert the cash flow and we're gonna invert the sale proceeds. So whereas they were getting 70-30 based on their sheer equity split, we're now gonna get 70% of the cash flow, 70% of the sale proceeds as general partners, and they're gonna get 30%. When I first heard about this, I'm like, if I was a passive investor, I wouldn't like this. Cause immediately I'm thinking like, well, you're like buying me out. you know? I don't wanna get less less money. But the more and more I dove into it, the more I realized this really is a massive benefit for both parties. The fact that we're holding in perpetuity, the fact that we're holding long term, it actually pushes off or, or eliminates almost uh, capital gains. So whereas previous, you you know, investors are like, yeah, I want to double my money. I don't want to just get a 20% return over two year time frame or what have you. But this way, you're actually going to end up with more money, not only because it's longer term, but also because... Uh, that they won't be having to pay capital gains on. There won't be any significant tax implication, which I'm no CPA. So take, take all of what I'm saying with a grain of salt as far as taxes go, but... That is that's the sheer idea behind it. So they've been made whole. Now they got thirty percent cash flow for life. I mean, we're legitimately creating generational wealth here, uh, generational cash flow by them having nothing in the deal and continuing to make money. But then also, even though that we invert the cash flow and we invert the sale proceeds, anytime there's a refinance or you know, if we do end up deciding to sell thirty or so years down the road, then we would get seventy percent of those profits. But the equity, the actual equity that they retained from the get go, is going to stay at that 70% threshold. So they're still going to be able to get 70% of the taxable depreciation for the life cycle of that deal. So not only are they going to have all their money back, but now they're able to use a full amount of depreciation. We are not taking it away from them. And we're also using a cost segregation. So they're going to get a lot of accelerated depreciation. That's just like some of the few benefits of the structure that I like, but
0: I don't think I've ever heard anybody discuss that.
1: I had never heard of it before. And I've talked to huh. tons of investors that had never heard of it before. You know, you have to like sell it a little bit or is it something people have heard of? They've never heard of it, but every investor I talk to about it is like, let me know when that deal goes live like i want to be a part of that and they and they're thinking in their mind almost immediately like how much money can i scramble together to to put in this deal and i'm like is it really that exciting like is it really that enticing i'm excited i'll tell you i'm ecstatic for this deal because i'll have more cash flow like actual passive cash flow from this deal than all the deals combined that we have now
0: Hey, you mentioned earlier the challenges of doing a bigger deal and then with the GP not having the qualifications on the net worth or liquidity. Obviously, that can be a lot of people's challenges when starting out or doing a bigger deal. What's that like then, with the new relationship? Are these people that you knew beforehand, or and how's that worked so far?
1: I, yeah, I didn't know him. Reggie didn't know him. Uh, so two out of the three of us had never met them before. But Matt had had a pre-existing relationship with them for the last couple of years. Not sure if he had done any deals with them. Don't think so. But he has. He has his own single-family brokerage that he has other agents underneath him. Uh, before he before we came became a partnership and are in multifamily now. Uh, and so he's still doing that. Through that is how he met them. Uh, I think they had bought bought a couple of houses from them or something. And so he's actually rents their office space. You know, one of the office buildings that they own, he's kind of their landlord. Basically he's able to build a close relationship with, with them from that perspective where he's now it's like, okay, you know, he's been following them for a long time now, a couple of years and been seeing their success and learning more and more about them, been on their, Investor lists, had a ton of dinners, and lunches with them, conversations at this point, so he felt like he could really trust them and knew their track record and how they operated the deal. So we kind of have a little, had a little inside scoop on on them uh, from him, Matt. And so he was like, "Well, how about I just reach out to them, see what they say? You know, if they say no, maybe we could find someone else. Basically, the worst thing they could do is say no. At least we could say we've asked. So we asked. They wanted to know some details about it before." saying yes, obviously. So we sent them some details and they were like, this deal looks amazing. Like, we want to be, we definitely want to be a part of this with you guys. And at that point, I'm thinking... I mean, I thought this deal was good before, because this was before, you know, at the introduction of this, we didn't know anything about this structure. We were just thinking, there's going to be another five, 10-year-old, maybe we'll sell it double money, maybe triple money. It'll be a nice deal. But I wasn't thinking perpetuity or insane amounts of cash flow or anything like that. And they're saying that this deal is like amazing. And I'm like, is there something I'm missing? Or like, do I need to go back and look at these numbers? Like, I'm glad they like it because- I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I went after this deal when the broker sent it to me. But no, knowing what I know now, after having, diving deeper into that conversation, uh, the market cap in this area, is probably about a six and a half. We're buying the this portfolio because it's actually three separate buildings. Uh, we're buying this portfolio at an eight and a half cap.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because you know the cap rate. It's always kind of mysterious to me. You know, some of these deals that brokers have sent me, they'll uh, you know say it's a six cap, or the the valuation is going to be based on not really how the property is being run currently as a business, but they're almost basing it off the pro forma. How are you dealing with that with cap rates and and then evaluating properties and what you're willing to pay versus what the seller is?
1: Right. So the cap rate is basically direct correlation of the income of the property, kind of what what the market is withstanding, like the the NOI basically. And so as far as what I've been seeing with them trying to pitch cap rates to us, a lot of times cap, cap rates are very misunderstood thing. But at the same time... I'm not sure that the cap rate is the end-all be-all. Well, I know that the cap rate's not the end-all be-all. It's just a number. It's like a quick pro quo number that you can throw out and be like, okay, buying at an eight and a half cap, that sounds great. Knowing that the market is a lot more expensive right now, or maybe I'm buying too high. Maybe everyone else is buying at a much higher cap rate, which cap rates are inverted in the sense that the higher the cap rate, the better the deal for the buyer, the lower the cap rate, the better the deal for the seller. So you want to buy at that higher cap rate because it's it's really a more juicy deal you're actually buying at much lower price point. So it's kind of affecting direct valuation there and that's another thing with multifamily is that multifamily is directly correlated to the income, you know the income direct is directly related to the value whereas your single family space you're just looking at comps. So a lot of what I've seen from brokers is they're like, yeah, I'm selling this thing at a six cap, selling this thing at a four cap, a 10 cap, whatever the cap rate is that they're trying to pitch to me. I look at their their analysis, their T3, their T12. So some people just average the two out and say, here's the cap rate we're buying at. But I feel like the way it's operating now, that's, that's what we're buying. Like, yes, it could be better, but that's why we're buying it is to make it better. We are doing the work to make it better. So we should get that benefit. I shouldn't be paying for the work that I'm going to do to the seller. So I always do it from a perspective of what it's actually producing now, but we also do obviously our own version of underwriting analysis and create our own pro forma and our pro forma and what our actual expenses are. And after we've gone through deep due diligence and have really zeroed in a lot of those financials, that's the number that we come up with. Of okay, here's what the cap rate's going to be, you know, after it's stabilized. But then we also have to look at market cap to see what we're actually buying it at, plus what it could be, plus what market is, and what all those numbers look like, and what is that, you know, as far as like a potential exit strategy or refinances. Uh, anytime you refi, a lot most banks look at cap rates. They kind of put the the valuation on the property based on your cap rate and your actual NOI, your income. So if market cap is at six and a half, like it is with the market that we're in on this particular deal, but we're buying at eight and a half cap, buying at eight and a half cap, doing a value add, and then we're getting to refi at a lower cap rate, which is going to increase NOI just that much more. So not only are we buying at a lower price point than what the valuation could be of the property currently, if it was at you know 100% occupancy or 98% with uh, you know maximum level rents. But we're going to be doing all that work. And so once all that's done and we're getting max level of NOI plus that lower cap rate, because that's what the market's at, we're able to pull out and the valuation is going to be higher. So we're able to pull out more equity, which is what's allowing us to actually return 100% of initial member capital by that second year.
0: That's great. Yeah, so your LOIs, are you kind of like hold are you holding, you know, hey, we'll we'll pay what the operating what's currently operating at. I mean, it
1: just depends on the deal. It's really hard to answer like uh, like you, you could yeah, you could try to like average it out maybe, but if the if we think that there is a lot of value to be added in this deal and the seller is just being difficult and they're like, "No, I want the price that I want and I'm not going to take any less." Or there's a little bit more competition like there has been with the market that we're seeing now, then maybe we need to go in EMD hard day one. Maybe we need to go uh, just a little higher on the purchase. Maybe we need, you know, there's some creative strategies that we can take as far as acquiring it. We would consider paying higher, paying at at a much lower cap rate if it was like a screaming deal. Like the 88 unit that we're getting ready to get under contract actually was in, the affordable housing program for the last 15 years. So granted, in this particular market that we're in, we're not thinking of just just being like, all right, you were paying $500. Here's your $900 a month rent. Like, Immediately. Cause th- we would have zero occupancy. So we're, we're going to still be doing somewhat of an upward trend on that. But now that we've been introduced to this hold in perpetuity model, dude, I'm not worried about the, the timeline it takes to get to that point. I just know we're going to get there and there's a ton of meat on the bone. So for that, for that deal, we were actually willing to pay a little more than what we thought it was worth because we were like, this is a slam dunk. Like This is one of those unicorn deals that everyone and their mom is chasing. So we need to be sure that we get this. So in that particular instance, we we're willing to pay a little more.
0: Tell me a little bit about just some ways that you are you know, engaging with investors, potential investors. What's your day look like? Are you using social media? How are you, how are you going about raising capital?
1: It is 10,000% social media. Social, I raised six million dollars in 30 days last year doing 30 days of Facebook Lives. And so after that, I said, okay, obviously, one, one, I've got some kind of secret sauce I didn't know about that I just need to be learning and continuing to make better. But then, two, I had no idea the sheer power that social media had. Uh, not only kind of like your sphere of influence, but also my ability to be present, like my presence on social media, my presence in the space, in the multifamily syndication space, folks just knowing that I am doing this. There's, there's a famous like saying or phrase of people say that folks buy with emotion and justify it with logic. And I always thought that was like, whatever, it's just piddly, one of those like proverbs, but it's actually proven that 95% of people buy on emotion and then justify it with logic later. Once I heard out, like found out about that, I thought, well, dang, you know, I need to be focusing more on the emotional side of my investors mind, then I do the logic. You know, there's 5% of people in the world that are like, just show me the numbers. That's all I care about. And every, everyone else is like, no, I want to know you. I want to know your story. I want to know why you got started in this. I want to know how this is going to impact me, how this is actually going to change my life, my kids, future generations, how I can make an impact in the world, not just about the numbers. And I found out Or was noticing after getting deeper and deeper into social media that a lot of syndicators, a lot of real estate investors, a lot of agents, a lot of people in the real estate space are so gung-ho with posting about sheer logic-based things. Like, hey, here's here's what a deal structure looks like. Here's how much money you can make. You know, why are you in the stock market? You can make more money over here. You know, here's what a capital stack looks like. Here's how much equity you could have if you invest with me. Here's what a syndication is. Here's like... This, that, and the other. And it's all these just logic-based things that they're throwing at, at you. And I was noticing very quickly that I was starting to post some of those things and seeing everyone else post it. The interaction on these posts is like zilch. I mean, it's, it's like the same people that are already in the space that try to learn more that are posting that very same thing as well. Those are the folks that are liking and commenting on it, like, "Yeah, way to go, man! Great post, yeah. love it!" Like, <laughs> this is new piece of knowledge that I hadn't previously thought about. This is amazing, but all of the people that they're actually trying to reach from an investor. Standpoint that they aren't reaching anyone that no one knew yeah. is learning or it's all,
0: or it's all the language of the people in multifamily you know right people, and so no one else knew. understands what you're talking about they have no idea yeah. so I realized that
1: okay folks aren't interested in that so in this thirty day challenge about six days out of the 30 days, did I actually talk about logic-based things? Like, hey, did you know you can invest through an IRA or a 401k? Did you know these are the returns that we're providing? Did you guys know I'm in multi-family syndication? Here's what multi-family syndication is. Here's what it looks like. Here's what a potential deal would look like and uh, how much money you could potentially make. Are you looking for a longer-term hold? Are you looking for a short-term quick flip? Are you looking to be in the single family space? Are you looking all these questions and goals and things? I want to know all about them, their goals, their life, what they're looking to do. So I can then tailor the conversation to, to them instead of to me, explaining me, talking about me and how I can benefit them with this deal. Bump all that. I want you to tell me what you need. Then we can start building a relationship because I can start tailoring the conversation to what you actually want to hear.
0: That's really good. Those are great tips. So are you discussing these things with non-accredited investors as well? Or are you guys focused just on accredited investors? Definitely non-accredited because I had no type of sphere of
1: influence before I got started in the space.
0: So is it a, these 506Bs then? Is that what you're- All 506Bs, yeah. 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 What's your experience with that so far? It allows, what, up to 35 non-accredited investors? Is that right?
1: 35 non-accredited and unlimited accredited. And the accredited definition is you have to have $200,000 of income on an annual basis if it's just you, $300,000 if you're filing jointly with a spouse uh, per year, or you have to have a million dollars net worth, not including your personal residence. They've also recently changed it, I think, in summer of last year, to where if you are a financial advisor, a CPA, someone in the financial industry, you're also immediately qualified as an accredited investor. And then sophisticated, there's not really a definition. They try to make it. There's just so much gray area. They try to say that you got to have three touch points with this individual in order to qualify them as like having a pre-existing relationship before that you could consider investing them in a deal. I've had people give me money I've never had a conversation with before in my life. And they gave me money before I had the chance to say no, like the money just came. And it was like, uh, so then I had to get on the phone with these folks. But I do most definitely like to have conversations with all of our investors before, you know, taking money or trying to jump into a deal with them. I want to make sure that Our investment, our style, our vision, the vision and where we're headed in this business and in life kind of meshes with their goals and what they're looking to do. Because there's been some passive investors that don't mesh with where we're headed and what we're trying to do. Some passive investors are just all in it for the money. They're like, just make me as much money as possible. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the tenants. I don't care about this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but I don't think we're the right fit for you because we care about all those things. And so, yes, we're we're looking out for our investors. Yes, we're looking out for our own financial interest, but we're also looking to create win-wins and to create stronger communities in these complexes and to impact folks and to give to charity and to donate our time and really impact not only just us and not only just our investors, but also the tenants, like the lender and the property manager and the contractors we're we're trying to impact the world basically we're trying to impact a lot of different people and not just like yeah we're just in this for the money quick quick in and out kind of thing. I
0: love that. This asset class, I, you know, the more that I learn about it, it's, it's amazing that the opportunities are there with the 506b. I think of family and friends that aren't accredited investors finding in future investments that uh, we can all be involved in as non-accredited investors, you know. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Part of the show we always do is we have two questions that we fire at our guests. The first one is your favorite real estate book.
1: Favorite real estate book? For going real estate specific, I'm going to say Joe Fairless's apartment, like best ever apartment investing advice ever, or something like that. It's a big red book. It's almost like 600 pages. It's, it's so high level and it's everything that you could ever imagine to need to know if you want to get into multifamily syndication.
0: Awesome. All right, we'll check it out. Your favorite real estate tip for somebody that wants to invest?
1: For someone looking to invest, I would say education is going to be the first step. Learning about what is possible. I would say that you need to know what you want first. But what I want has changed after I've known what was possible. First, I wanted to wait ten years to get to this point, and then I found out I could do it quicker. I was like, okay, I'll, I want this other thing now. I didn't know I didn't know this was possible. So I think education is going to be the first thing, making sure that you are learning what's out there, what really kind of meshes with what you're looking to do, and you kind of can tailor that as you continue to learn and, and go. Uh, a lot of people think, well, you got to have one vision. And you got to strive for that and always strive for that and never change directions. And that's how you fail. I don't believe I don't believe that. You can change directions. Don't go crazy. Don't be like, I'm going to be in multifamily for six months. Well, I didn't work. I'm going to try wholesaling, but that didn't work. I'm going to try flipping, like stick to one niche, stick to one, like avenue of success. But uh, for me, I knew I wanted to get into multifamily. Basically, I'll use me as an example. Uh, But I thought it was going to take 10 years and I thought I was going to have to do it all by myself. Well, then I found out, shoot, I can partner with folks. uh, We can bring in these passive investors. We can do much larger deals. We can scale much faster. And everyone wins in that scenario. So I was still multifamily, but it the goal and the vision shifted a little bit because now I'm, I'm impacting a lot more folks. So get out there and start reading. Start reading books, go into meetups if meetups are a thing in your area or go to virtual meetups. I know there's a ton of those. Get, get on bigger pockets, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on LinkedIn, start networking with people and learn what other people are doing. You know, I would have never known about the deal structure we used on 148 unit had I not met these other people. So meeting people is also another great source of education.
0: Great. Great tip. And education for sure. I'm going next week too. Do you know Mark Kenny, the Think Multifamily? Yeah. They're doing an underwriting workshop next week in Dallas. I'm going to go to. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yeah. So sweet. Constantly learning, you know, where can people uh, find you You can, you can
1: find me on our website, ferraricapital.com. Basically everything's on there. All of the, the links and connections to our podcast, to our ebook that we've got, to our monthly newsletter that we send out to our investor portal, to the types of deals that we do, to who we are, to our vivid vision, where we're headed. Uh, you can find all of that on the website. So you just go to the website. That'll give you a real detailed analysis of of us.
0: Love it, man. Well, thanks for joining us this week, and uh, really appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. Super stoked
1: to have been on the show. I feel like this was the the most detailed, like in depth podcast I've been on. You're asking you're asking like real specific, high level questions, which is great. It's great, but if it goes over anyone's head, just go research some of this stuff and and make sure that you are able to get the most out of the show.
0: That concludes this episode of the NOI podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to bringing you more great content. Till then, happy investing.